0: Book Four of the Excursion by William Wordsworth This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Book Four Despondency Corrected Here closed the tenant of that lonely vale, his mournful narrative, commenced in pain, in pain commenced and ended without peace yet tempered not unfrequently with strains of native feeling, grateful to our minds and yielding surely some relief to his, while we sat listening with compassion due. A pause of silence followed. Then with a voice that did not falter, though the heart was moved, the wanderer said, one adequate support for the calamities of mortal life exists, one only, an assured belief that the procession of our fate howe'er sad or disturbed, is ordered by a being of infinite benevolence and power, whose everlasting purposes embrace all accidents, converting them to good. The darts of anguish fix not where the seat of suffering hath been thoroughly fortified by acquiescence in the will supreme for time and for eternity, by faith, faith absolute in God, including hope, and the defense that lies in boundless love of his perfections, with habitual dread of aught unworthily conceived, endured impatiently, ill done or left undone, to the dishonor of his holy name. Soul of our souls, and safeguard of the world, sustain, thou only canst, the sick of heart, restore their languid spirits, and recall their lost affections unto thee and thine. Thus, as we issued from that covert nook, he thus continued, lifting up his eyes to heaven. How beautiful this dome of sky and the vast hills in fluctuation fixed at thy command. How awful! Shall the soul, human and rational, report of thee even less than these? Be mute who will, who can, yet I will praise thee with impassioned voice. My lips that may forget thee in the crowd cannot forget thee here where thou hast built for thy own glory in the wilderness. Me didst thou constitute a priest of thine in such a temple as we now behold reared for thy presence. Therefore am I bound to worship here and everywhere as one not doomed to ignorance, though forced to tread from childhood up the ways of poverty, from unreflecting ignorance preserved and from debasement rescued. By thy grace the particle divine remained unquenched, Amid the wild weeds of a rugged soil, thy bounty caused to flourish deathless flowers from paradise transplanted. Wintry age impends. The frost will gather round my heart. If the flowers wither, I am worse than dead. Come, labor, when the worn-out frame requires perpetual Sabbath. Come, disease and want and sad exclusion through decay of sense. But leave me unabated trust in thee. And let thy favor to the end of life inspire me with ability to seek repose and hope among eternal things, Father of heaven and earth. And I am rich and will possess my portion in content. And what are things eternal? Powers depart, the gray-haired wanderer steadfastly replied, answering the question which himself had asked. Possessions vanish, and opinions change, and passions hold a fluctuating seat. But by the storms of circumstance unshaken and subject neither to eclipse nor wane, duty exists, immutably survive for our support the measures and the forms which an abstract intelligence supplies, whose kingdom is where time and space are not. Of other converse, which mind, soul, and heart do with united urgency require, what more that may not perish? Thou dread source, prime, self existing cause and end of all that in the scale of being fill their place, above our human region or below, set and sustained, Thou who didst wrap the cloud of infancy around us, that Thyself therein with our simplicity awhile mightst hold on earth communion undisturbed, who from the anarchy of dreaming sleep, Or from its death-like void with punctual care and touch as gentle as the morning light restorest us daily to the powers of sense, and reason's steadfast rule, thou, thou alone art everlasting, and the blessed spirits which thou includest as the sea her waves, for adoration thou endurest, endure for consciousness the motions of thy will, for apprehension those transcendent truths of the pure intellect that stand as laws, submission constituting strength and power even to thy being's infinite majesty. This universe shall pass away, a work glorious because the shadow of thy might, a step or link for intercourse with thee. Ah, if the time must come in which my feet no more shall stray where meditation leads by flowing stream through wood or craggy wild love haunts like these the unimprisoned mind may yet have scope to range among her own, her thoughts, her images, her high desires. If the dear faculty of sight should fail, still it may be allowed me to remember what visionary powers of eye and soul in youth were mine, when stationed on the top of some huge hill, expectant I beheld the sun rise up, from distant climes returned darkness to chase and sleep, and bring the day his bounteous gift or saw him toward the deep sink, with a retinue of flaming clouds attended, then my spirit was entranced with joy exalted to beatitude. The measure of my soul was filled with bliss and holiest love, as earth sea, air with light, with pomp, with glory, with magnificence. Those fervent raptures are forever flown, and since their date my soul hath undergone change manifold, for better or for worse. Yet cease I not to struggle and aspire heavenward and chide the part of me that flags through sinful choice or dread necessity on human nature from above imposed. Tis by comparison an easy task earth to despise, but to converse with heaven this is not easy. To relinquish all we have, or hope, of happiness and joy, and stand in freedom loosened from this world I deem not arduous, but must needs confess That 'tis a thing impossible to frame conceptions equal to the soul's desires, and the most difficult of tasks to keep heights which the soul is competent to gain. Man is of dust, ethereal hopes are his, which when they should sustain themselves aloft want due consistence, like a pillar of smoke that with majestic energy from earth rises, but having reached the thinner air melts and dissolves and is no longer seen from this infirmity of mortal kind sorrow proceeds which else were not at least if grief be something hallowed and ordained if in proportion it will be just and meet yet through this weakness of the general heart is it enabled to maintain its hold in that excess which conscience disapproves for who could sink and settle to that point of selfishness so senseless who could be as long and perseveringly to mourn for any object of his love removed from this unstable world if he could fix a satisfying view upon that state of pure imperishable blessedness which reason promises and holy writ ensures to all believers. Yet mistrust is of such incapacity, methinks, no natural branch, despondency far less, and least of all is absolute despair. And if there be whose tender frames have drooped even to the dust, apparently through weight of anguish unrelieved, and lack of power and agonizing sorrow to transmute, deem not that proof is here of hope withheld when wanted most, a confidence impaired so pitiably that having ceased to see with bodily eyes they are borne down by love of what is lost and perish through regret. Oh no, the innocent sufferer often sees too clearly, feels too vividly, and longs to realize the vision with intense and over-constant yearning. There... There lies the excess by which the balance is destroyed. Too, too contracted are these walls of flesh, this vital warmth too cold, these visual orbs, though inconceivably endowed, too dim for any passion of the soul that leads to ecstasy. And all the crooked paths of time and change disdaining takes its course along the line of limitless desires." I, speaking now from such disorder free, nor rapt nor craving, but in settled peace, I cannot doubt that they whom you deplore are glorified, or if they sleep shall wake from sleep and dwell with God in endless love. Hope below this consists not with belief in mercy, carried infinite degrees beyond the tenderness of human hearts hope below this consists not with belief in perfect wisdom guiding mightiest power that finds no limits but her own pure will here then we rest not fearing for our creed the worst that human reasoning can achieve to unsettle or perplex it yet with pain acknowledging and grievous self-reproach that though immovably convinced we want zeal and the virtue to exist by faith as soldiers live by courage as by strength of heart the f- sailor fights with roaring seas. Alas, the endowment of immortal power is matched unequally with custom time and domineering faculties of sense in all, inmost with superadded foes, idle temptations, open vanities, ephemeral offspring of the unblushing world and in the private regions of the mind, ill-governed passions, ranklings of despite, immoderate wishes, pining discontent, distress, and care. What then remains? To seek those helps for his occasions, ever near who lacks not will to use them. Vows renewed on the first motion of a holy thought, vigils of contemplation, praise and prayer, a stream which from the fountain of the heart issuing, however feebly, nowhere flows without access of unexpected strength. But above all, the victory is most sure for him who, seeking faith by virtue, strives to yield entire submission to the law of conscience, conscience reverenced and obeyed as God's most intimate presence in the soul and his most perfect image in the world. Endeavor thus to live these rules regard, these helps solicit, and a steadfast seat shall then be yours among the happy few who dwell on earth, yet breathe imperial air, sons of the morning. For your nobler part, e'er disencumbered of her mortal chains, doubt shall be quelled and trouble chased away. With only such degree of sadness left as may support longings of pure desire, and strengthen love rejoicing secretly in the sublime attractions of the grave. While in this strain the venerable sage poured forth his aspirations and announced his judgments, near that lonely house we paced a plot of greensward, seemingly preserved by nature's care from wreck of scattered stones and from encroachment of encircling heath, small space but for reiterated steps smooth and commodious, as a stately deck which to and fro the mariner is used to tread for pastime, talking with his mates, or haply thinking of far distant friends while the ship glides before a steady breeze. Stillness prevailed around us, and the voice that spake was capable to lift the soul toward regions yet more tranquil." But methought that he whose fixed despondency had given impulse and motive to that strong discourse was less upraised in spirit than abashed, shrinking from admonition like a man who feels that to exhort is to reproach. Yet not to be diverted from his aim, the sage continued. For that other loss, the loss of confidence in social man, By the unexpected transports of our age carried so high that every thought which looked beyond the temporal destiny of the kind, to many seemed superfluous, as no cause could err for such exalted confidence exist, so none is now for fixed despair. The two extremes are equally disowned by reason, if with sharp recoil from one you have been driven far as its opposite. Between them seek the point whereon to build sound expectations." So doth he advise who shared at first the illusion, but was soon cast from the pedestal of pride by shocks which nature gently gave in in woods and fields, nor unreproved by Providence, thus speaking to the inattentive children of the world. Vain glorious generation, what new powers on you have been conferred? What gifts withheld from your progenitors have ye received fit recompense of new desert? What claim are ye prepared to urge that my decrees for you should undergo a sudden change and the weak functions of one busy day reclaiming and extirpating perform what all the slowly moving years of time with their united force have left undone. By nature's gradual processes be taught, by story be confounded. Ye aspire rashly to fall once more and that false fruit which to your overweening spirits yields hope of a flight celestial, will produce misery and shame. But wisdom of her sons shall not the less, though late, be justified. Such timely warning, said the wanderer, gave that visionary voice, and at this day, when a Tartarian darkness overspreads the groaning nations, when the impious rule by will or by established ordinance, their own dire agents, and constrain the good to acts which they abhor. Though I bewail this triumph, yet the pity of my heart prevents me not from owning that the law by which mankind now suffers is most just. For by superior energies, more strict affiance in each other, faith more firm in their unhallowed principles, the bad have fairly earned a victory o'er the weak, the vacillating inconsistent good. Therefore, not unconsoled, I wait, in hope to see the moment when the righteous cause shall gain defenders zealous and devout as they who have opposed her, in which virtue will to her efforts tolerate no bounds that are not lofty as her rights, aspiring by impulse of her own ethereal zeal. That spirit only can redeem mankind, and when that sacred spirit shall appear, then shall our triumph be complete as theirs." Yet should this confidence prove vain, the wise have still the keeping of their proper peace, are guardians of their own tranquility. They act, or they recede, observe, and feel, knowing the heart of man is set to be the center of this world, about the which those revolutions of disturbances still roll, where all the aspects of misery predominate, whose strong effects are such as he must bear, being powerless to redress. And that, unless above himself he can erect himself, how poor a thing is man. Happy is he who lives to understand, not human nature only, but explores all natures, to the end that he may find the law that governs each, and where begins the union, the partition where that makes kind and degree among all visible beings the constitutions, powers, and faculties which they inherit cannot step beyond and cannot fall beneath, that do assign to every class its station and its office, through all the mighty commonwealth of things, up from the creeping plant to sovereign man. Such converse, if directed by a meek, sincere, and humble spirit, teaches love, for knowledge is delight, and such delight breeds love. Yet, suited as it rather is to thought and to the climbing intellect, it teaches less to love than to adore, if that be not indeed the highest love. Yet, said I, tempted here to interpose, the dignity of life is not impaired by aught that innocently satisfies the humbler cravings of the heart. And he is still a happier man who, for those heights of speculation not unfit, descends. And such benign affections cultivates among the inferior kinds, not merely those that he may call his own, and which depend as individual objects of regard upon his care, from whom he also looks for signs and tokens of a mutual bond, but others far beyond this narrow sphere, whom for the very sake of love he loves. Nor is it a mean praise of rural life and solitude, that they do favour most, most frequently call forth and best sustain these pure sensations that can penetrate the obstreperous city, on the barren seas are not unfelt, and much might recommend how much they might inspirit and endear the loneliness of this sublime retreat. Yes, said the sage, resuming the discourse again directed to his downcast friend. If with the froward will and groveling soul of man offended liberty is here, an invitation every hour renewed to mark their placid state, who never heard of a command which they have power to break, or rule which they are tempted to transgress, these with a soothed or elevated heart may we behold their knowledge register, observe their ways and, free from envy, find complacence there. But wherefore this to you? I guess that, welcome to your lonely hearth, the redbreast ruffled up by winter's cold into a feathery bunch, feeds at your hand, a box, perchance, is from your casement hung for the small wren to build in, not in vain, the barriers disregarding that surround this deep abiding place before your sight mounts on the breeze the butterfly, and soars, small creature as she is, from earth's bright flowers into the dewy clouds." Ambition reigns in the waste wilderness, the soul ascends drawn towards her native firmament of heaven, when the fresh eagle in the month of May, upborn at evening on replenished wing the shaded valley leaves, and leaves the dark and purpled hills, conspicuously renewing a proud communication with the sun low sunk beneath the horizon. List I heard from yon huge breast of rock a voice sent forth as if the visible mountain made the cry. Again, the effect upon the soul was such as he expressed. From out the mountain's heart the solemn voice appeared to issue, startling the blank air, for the region all around stood empty of all shape of life, and silent, save for that single cry, the unanswered bleat of a poor lamb, left somewhere to itself the plaintive spirit of the solitude. He paused, as if unwilling to proceed, through consciousness that silence in such place was best, the most affecting eloquence. But soon his thoughts returned upon themselves, and in soft tone of speech thus he resumed. Ah, if the heart, too confidently raised, perchance too lightly occupied, or lulled too easily, despise or overlook the vassalage that binds her to the earth, her sad dependence upon time, and all the trepidations of mortality... What place so destitute and void? But there the little flower her vanity shall check. The trailing worm reprove her thoughtless pride. These craggy regions, these chaotic wilds, does that benignity pervade that warms the mole contented with her darksome walk in the cold ground, and to the emmet gives her foresight an intelligence that makes the tiny creatures strong by social league? supports the generations multiplies their tribes till we behold a spacious plain or grassy bottom all with little hills their labor covered as a lake with waves thousands of cities in the desert place built up of life and food and means of life nor wanting here to entertain the thought creatures that in communities exist less as might seem for general guardianship or through dependence upon mutual aid than by participation of delight and a strict love of fellowship combined what other spirit can it be that prompts the gilded summer flies to mix and weave their sports together in the solar beam or in the gloom of twilight hum their joy more obviously the self-same influence rules the feathered kinds the fieldfares, pensive flock the cawing rooks and sea-mews from afar hovering above these inland solitudes by the rough wind unscattered at whose call up through the trenches of the long-drawn vales their voyage was begun nor its power unfelt among the sedentary fowl that seek yon pool and there prolong their stay in silent congress or together roused take flight, while with their clang the air resounds. And over all in that ethereal vault is the mute company of changeful clouds, bright apparition suddenly put forth, the rainbow smiling on the faded storm, the mild assemblage of the starry heavens, and the great sun, earth's universal lord. How bountiful is nature! He shall find who seeks not and to him who hath not asked, large measure shall be dealt. Three Sabbath days are scarcely told, since on a service bend of mere humanity you clomb those heights, and what a marvelous and heavenly show was suddenly revealed. The swains moved on, and heeded not. You lingered, you perceived and felt deeply as living man could feel. There is a luxury in self-dispraise, and inward self-disparagement affords to meditative spleen a grateful feast trust me pronouncing on your own dessert you judge unthankfully distempered nerves infect the thoughts the languor of the frame depresses the soul's vigor quit your couch cleave not so fondly to your moody cell nor let the hallowed powers that shed from heaven stillness and rest with disapproving eye look down upon your taper through a watch of midnight hours, unseasonably twinkling in this deep hollow, like a sullen star dimly reflected in a lonely pool. Take courage, and withdraw yourself from ways that run not parallel to nature's course. Rise with the lark, your matins shall obtain grace be their composition what it may if but with hers performed climb once again climb every day those ramparts meet the breeze upon their tops adventurous as a bee that from your garden thither soars to feed on new-blown heath. Let yon commanding rock be your frequented watchtower. Roll the stone in thunder down the mountains. With all your might, chase the wild goat. And if the bold red deer fly to those harbors, driven by hound and horn, loud echoing, add your speed to the pursuit. So wearied to your hut shall you return and sink at evening into sound repose. The solitary lifted toward the hills a kindling eye. Accordant feelings rushed into my bosom whence these words broke forth. Oh, what a joy it were, in vigorous health to have a body, this our vital frame with shrinking sensibility endued in all the nice regards of flesh and blood, and to the end elements surrender it as if it were a spirit. How divine the liberty for frail, for mortal man to roam at large among unpeopled glens and mountainous retreats, only trod by devious footsteps, regions consecrate to oldest time! and reckless of the storm that keeps the raven quiet in her nest be as a presence or a motion one among the many there and while the mists flying and rainy vapours call out shapes and phantoms from the crags and solid earth as fast as a musician scatters sounds out of an instrument and while the streams as at a first creation and in haste to exercise their untried faculties descending from the region of the clouds and starting from the hollows of the earth more multitudinous every moment rend their way before them what a joy to roam an unequal among mightiest energies and haply sometimes with articulate voice amid the deafening tumults, scarcely heard by him that utters it exclaim aloud rage on ye elements let moon and stars their aspects lend and mingle in their turn with this commotion ruinous though it be from day to night from night to day prolonged yes said the wanderer taking from my lips the strain of transport Whosoever in youth has through ambition of his soul given way to such desires and grasped at such delight shall feel congenial stirrings late and long in spite of all the weakness that life brings, its cares and sorrows. He, though taught to own the tranquilizing power of time, shall wake, wake sometimes to a noble restlessness, loving the sports which once he gloried in. Compatriate friend, remote are Gary's hills, the streams far distant of your native glen, yet it is their form and image here expressed with brotherly resemblance. Turn your steps wherever fancy leads, by day, by night, are various engines working, not the same as those with which your soul in youth was moved, but by the great artificer endowed with no inferior power. You dwell alone, you walk, you live, you speculate alone yet doth remembrance like a sovereign prince for you a stately gallery maintain of gay or tragic pictures. You have seen, have acted, suffered, traveled far, observed with no incurious eye, and books are yours within whose silent chambers treasure lies preserved from age to age, more precious far than that accumulated store of gold and orient gems, which for a day of need the sultan hides deep in ancestral tombs." These hordes of truth you cannot lock at will, and music waits upon your skilful touch, sounds which the wandering shepherd from these heights hears and forgets his purpose. Furnished thus, how can you droop if willing to be upraised? End of Book 4, Part 1 of The Excursion by William Wordsworth